Well, summer is seriously creeping up and is just around the corner. And I'm curious how that coronavirus and quarantine body is going for you. <laughs> I was worried about mine a couple of months ago, and that's when I went to Club Legree. Club Legree is about lengthening, sculpting your muscles on a reformer along with intensity. I've done many workouts, guys, and honestly, this technique has brought me major results. My abs are forming and coming through. And hello, one big thing, my butt has risen. <laughs> and ladies, we all know that's really important. They have three locations. They have a Westlake Village, Simi Valley, and Pasadena, California. You guys check them out at Club Legree on Instagram, clublegree.com. Guys, if you want to get that summer body ASAP, they're the place to go at Club Legree. Go check them out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another, hold on one second. We're not going to do that because I don't have my background. <laughs> there. I know that's my little background. Okay. So hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life Gone Real. I have an amazing, wonderful guest once again. All my guests are fabulous. Her name is Amelia Mora Mars. One, guys, she's a mom of 10. So I'm going to give her like praise the Lord hands because <laughs> I don't even, I can't comprehend and can't even imagine. That's amazing. She is a licensed marriage family therapist at Transformation Counseling. She is also the CEO of Mom Connections, creator of Mom's Breaking Through a Cycle program. She helps women heal their hearts, prioritize themselves, and reclaim their lives to become happy, healthier, and more confident moms. Her website is momconnections.com. And I will also, she's also on Facebook, and I will also um, have all those links in the descriptions. She's also, I'm sure, on Instagram as well. But welcome, Amelia. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> I love being here. I love meeting you. I know. It's been good. We've been sitting here chatting a little bit and getting to know each other more. And I actually had talked to her on the phone, and this was a while ago, and we just clicked and... Um, I don't know. I love that kind of energy when you just click with people. She's also a therapist, so um, I think she can talk really well. <laughs> she knows how to communicate really well. And of course, I communicate and I'm a conversationalist. That's what I'm doing at this moment. So <laughs> yes, you are. we vibe really, really good. And I'm so glad she's here. And um, yeah, so just tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, my parents are from Costa Rica. Oh. They came here, um, my father in late 50s, and then... He needed a wife, so he oh. went back to Costa Rica. I don't think it really mattered who, just someone <laughs> to take care of him. That's and fun. yes, their families knew each other. He went on a a blind date, and he doesn't he didn't really care for the woman. My mom was like the chaperone. He oh. liked her better, so he invited her for a date the following day. And then um, that day, he said, um, "Lucky is a man who marries you. Will you marry me?" Are you serious? I'm serious. On the first date? On the first date. Wow. <laughs> yes. And my mom was very childlike. And she okay. was just like, oh, okay. Right. And, <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> yes. And my father went to her father. And they were like compadres, godparents of each other's children. They both had very large families. Wow. And my father or my grandfather said, well, you know, I know your 
your family? Uh, sure, take her. And so, so she came to California. They were married two weeks later and um, came to California, and that's how we got here. Wow, that's amazing. And, well, I have to, I mean, did your parents stay married? They did until about, let me say, like about 21 years ago. Okay. So so how long yeah. were they married? They were married for a while. They were married for a while. Yeah. Wow. They had a lot of grandchildren. They had, they had, when we were little kids, we drove to Costa Rica and they bought property. And my father had always dreamed about building a home on that property. Oh. And I always knew when he was going to go back that he was going to change. There was, you know, something was going to change about him. Okay. And so that's kind of what happened. Wow. But still, yeah. even even getting married in two weeks, basically, right? Like, right. And, and um, well, and being married for, for a while, that, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, even though <laughs> they're was. not together, that's still, like, right. really impressive. Yes. So, wow. Wow. So, um, yeah. So that's, I have three siblings and, um, we were raised in the San Fernando Valley. Okay. Yeah. That's where we started our life. And as a little girl, I, um, had a mom who was very moody, Mm. had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and I was afraid of her. Wow. And I'm the second born, not the first born, but I had that first born personality. So I took it upon myself to save or rescue or protect the other siblings. My brother wasn't in the picture yet. Okay. And so that became my life. You know, I learned to, to kind of, uh, pay attention to her moods and try to anticipate things and take responsibility for things. And I knew that noise was a huge trigger and that a messy house was a huge trigger. So I would say to my siblings, okay, so you know, as a little kid, I'm going to put the music on. Cindy, you clean the bathrooms. I'll clean the kitchen. Marcella, you vacuum. And try to make it fun mm-hmm. for everybody. You mm-hmm. know, But it was those kinds of things and that kind of living that um, became a way of being for wow. me. So I was so busy doing. And, and how so, old were you? Oh, gosh. You know, little. You know, as soon as I figured this out, probably kindergarten, elementary school, you know, you just, you figure these things out that your mom is super, super moody. And I was very, you know, a, a child that would observe a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of what I did to protect ourselves. So that's a lot. It's a at lot. At a young so, age. At a young age. So I, I learned to be a doer. Wow. You know, and not a beer. And if I sat still, sometimes my mom would say to me, um, who do you think you are, a millionaire? And I'd be, oh. You know, sometimes I'd be a smart aleck and say, I'm practicing, <laughs> but she didn't like that. You know? Or she'd say, what do you think you are, a decoration? And so I learned that just sitting wasn't acceptable. I should be busy. I should be doing. And that became a way of life. Oh, yeah. which is not, okay. Not so uncommon. Which is not, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. We get busy, 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 mm-hmm. which is not mm-hmm. necessarily good. Right. No, not, not, we don't, not, not to wear it like a badge of honor. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you started, um, so, I mean, for young age, so, so how, so as you got older, how was your relationship with your mom? To, to be honest, and it's, it's sad to say, but I, I hated her. I despised my mother mm. and I would just, um, do my thing, you know, mm-hmm. 
I remember, you know, there were times when she was affectionate, but a lot of times when she wasn't. And I remember making the decision, I can't trust her. I don't know which side of her I'm going to have. So it's best just not to have that affection at all and just stay busy, be self-sufficient, be independent. Push her away. And push her away and do my own thing. Do your thing. Wow. Mm -hmm. So then as you obviously got older, I'm sure you realized... This is a problem. How, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fascination, I've had about the fascination with bipolar in particular and the brain. Okay. And I decided at a young age that I wanted to be a therapist. Oh. And I remember in middle school, you have to do your little career report. Oh, yeah. And I did my report. And one of the things it said is you have to do your own therapy. I thought, oh, no, no, I can't. I can't think about that. I can't remember the past. Mm. So I pushed that dream down. And I wanted to forget about it. And, um, yeah, I tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't it work doesn't that work. way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. When you mm-hmm. have a calling, when you're fascinated, you're wired a certain way, and God gives you certain get, you know, gifts, talents, and abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a way of bringing those things up. I agree. But totally. <laughs> well, that's kind of even how it was with with me um I mean I'm doing this and, and I'm so excited I love this I feel like I'm in my lane for the first time in my life um but yeah you know when I was growing up as far as well whenever I had kids I guess everybody I thought oh everybody's like oh I'd love to be a mom and that's that that's it and I remember after I had my kids I was like this not fulfilled like, this is not all of me. Being a wife, I love being a wife, love, loved being married, having a partner, all that stuff, love having kids, but it there was always like a hole. That's the best way I could describe it. There's a hole of just unfulfillment. It's like, this is not what I'm only supposed to do. It's just this. So I, I tried so many different things, like on the side, you know, to make side money. I had um, oh Lord, for any of you guys who are, um, in multi-level marketing, <laughs> the MLMs, you know, there's all those companies I would do that. And I tried to do makeup, um, be a makeup artist. There were just so many things that I tried to figure out, but, um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of always a passion. I always wanted to help people. Yeah. Um, and I really connect a lot to women. Um, and I love women empowerment and encouraging and just all of that. And that's always attracted. Like that's just naturally come to me. Um, so I, I can relate to that. Like as far as there's something in you and you can't, yeah, you push it. Not that I pushed it down. I just kind of put it on a shelf of like, well, I don't know when this is going to happen because I just had so much other stuff going on. But, um, yeah, until now, now I'm like, I, I this is good. I feel really good about it. So, so proud of so you. I can, thank you. But like you, for you. So when was that? Like, and you couldn't, you couldn't stop. I mean, it, you couldn't push what you were wanting to do down anymore. Right. Well, so at this point I'm a mother of 10. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how is this possible? And you're like, so cute. Like, I'm just like, I don't know how I can't imagine. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, the funny thing is I wanted zero. Really? Because I was so afraid of being a mom. I was so afraid. I thought, what if I don't, what if I'm not equipped? Wow. So I was having a conversation with God, telling him all the reasons why I'm disqualified. Okay. Yeah. You don't need me to be a mom because I'm not loving enough. I'm not nurturing enough and all those things. Okay. And then I just had this thought that you believed a lie 
and everything you need is within you, Mm -hmm. but you must allow it to blossom. Uh The exact words that came into my head. Oh, that's so good. I got chills. Yeah. And so I thought, oh my goodness. And then I had these memories of babysitting children where mom would, moms would say like, my child never let someone hold him like that. Or how did you get my baby to fall asleep? Or this one little boy that when I was leaving, I only babysat him once. He stood at the door and he cried. Like I was his mother. So odd. Wow. And I was flooded with these memories that I thought, I guess I am. So I have to do the work Mm. of allowing this stuff to come up. And so I thought to myself as a 19-year-old, what if? What if being a mom teaches me to be more loving and more nurturing and more kind and more playful and less serious? What if? Oh, and that's where it started for me. Wow, that's beautiful. That that makes me even like, look, I'm like teared up. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. So, so you had your first? I had a first. When was that? And I was 25. Okay. I was married 23. I was, I was 25. And she was a very difficult, colicky baby. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I never had that. Yes. Oh, Later no. down the road, she, um, she has bipolar disorder. So mm. even then, she was just ultra sensitive to okay. stimuli, things like that. Oh. But she needed a sister. Right. You know? Okay. So she had a sister. Oh. And then it, it was like one at a time, I thought. And then my third pregnancy was a set of twins. Oh. <gasps> That I found out my ninth month that I was carrying twins. You found out your ninth month you're my carrying ninth twins? Month. Yeah. How was that? Like crazy, huh? Well, I guess the, the altered sound, all of that. Well, she would look, like- but like it was, I remember going to the gym and this woman knew she was having twins and she was three months along and I was three months along, but she looked like she was carrying twins. I wasn't like that till like seven months. And then people okay. were like, oh, you're due any minute. And I'd be like, no. That's tough. I, I have a like few more, more months, months. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so it was just, I don't know, I, it, I, you know, I got big at the end. Wow. So they never like come up with like two heartbeats or could hear like no. two heartbeats? No. Oh, well, I guess maybe with twins, I guess they could be in sync. Could be. She That's was just so- like, I was so big. She thought, well, maybe you're just, you have so much amniotic fluid. And then oh. she would check. It's like, No. And then one day she was checking on top of my stomach. She goes, well, there's a little head and there's a little heart. And then she took the ultrasound probe and she put it really low. Mm-hmm. And there's a little head and there's a little heart. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying there's two? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What did you do? Like, I can't. I mean, you're you're about to be due like any I moment. Know. So, and you're like, there's two. I don't even. It was so fascinating. It was like, oh gosh, my body did this. Wow. And I had no idea. This is fascinating. Wow. And, it, and it was near the end, so there was no high risk anything. You know, I went, I was induced at 39 weeks. So I totally would have gone 40. Wow. I yeah. know. For, it's 40 weeks. They say nine months. It's really technically 10. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why do they do that? I don't You're know. You're pregnant for 10 months. <laughs> for any anyone listening who's who's pregnant and doesn't really know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 10 months. That's funny. Months. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. I've never heard. I mean, that's pretty. Wow, that's exciting. Okay, so, all right, so you had one, two. Okay, so four right away, four girls. Yes, and then we had that earthquake out here in California. Oh, yeah, the big. I, I didn't live here. 
then mm. Mm. <laughs> let's knock on something. I'm praying yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. like that happens again. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So what happened? So oh. so there was an article in paper. I remember that you know babies are born during times of crisis. Oh. And I remember reading it thinking, who's going to take their clothes off at this time? But but people get close, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, nine months later, I had another little girl. <laughs> so I guess I did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I had another deal with God. The deal was that I wanted all my children before I was 30. And she was born November 21st. And my birthday was November 25th. So I'm like, see, done. All done. You're done. But I mean, that, how, how many, wait, how many were we at, at now? Five girls. We're, we're at five. I had five girls. Okay, yeah. we're at five. Oh my gosh. And then um, one day I was just watching my husband work outside and he's just so good at doing things and with his hands. And mm-hmm. I thought, what if he was meant to be a father of boys? Oh. He's such a great example for boys. Well, then we had two boys and <laughs> I love a little you. girl and then we had two. So by so I had all of them by the time I was forty. So not thirty, but forty. That yeah. is that's amazing. And you still, but you still worked and stuff. No, I was a stay at home mom at this point. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Got it. So so back to the story was I was watching this woman who specialized in the attachment specialization. I was oh. watching um, a CD about her. Oh, I was okay. learning. Okay. And I was sitting there watching her and thinking, oh, I really wanted to do that. And these crocodile tears just came just out of my eyes. I couldn't even control it. And I remember saying out loud, I never finished. And so I ran to my husband's office and I told him the story. He says, then you have to go back to school. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but I love that your husband said that. Yeah, very supportive. That's very supportive, and that's, yeah, I love that. And so I did. There was a class starting the next day, and I remember just, like, hovering my finger over the button because all that fear, like, am I still smart enough? Am I still academic? Because as a child, that was the thing I clung to Mm. was the academic to to give me a sense of satisfaction. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I hit, you know, (laughs) send. I signed up for the class. And I told myself, if I can get an A in this class, I'll never question my intelligence again. And so, so that started my journey. And as a therapist, I just saw so many women who their their symptoms would be things like problems with boundaries, mm. um, feeling insecure, lacking confidence, um, being able to speak up, feeling invisible, like they don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And so many times it came down to that their mom wasn't there for them. Of course, there's other factors. Of course, it could be a father. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of them, I just saw that theme. Wow. And I decided to make that my specialization because I would see teenage girls and college girls already with those same symptoms. And I thought, gosh, I don't want women to figure this out alone like I had to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I refuse to allow women to struggle alone and try to figure this out alone and feel less than or like they're not enough. Yeah. And um, so that became my, my calling. Oh, I love that. That's, that's fantastic because there are a lot. Um, yeah, I think a lot of our stuff, childhood traumas, which we've talked, you know, we've talked about. And I love um, the mother and daughter relationship, I think, is such an important. It's, it's, so, it's so important. But 
obviously there's a lot of women out there that didn't have a healthy one. So I, I love, I love what you're doing and helping out women like that. That's really fantastic. Really, really, really great. And I, um, yeah, like what do you, uh, what do you, what do you think? And as far as, as far as women who are going through things like that now, like even if anyone's even listening, like women who are going through that now that might not even know. They might, a lot of it don't, a lot of women, you know, a lot of people don't really understand the things they do or, um, the addictions they have, um, that really comes from a lot of their childhood. That's what I, that's even what I'm realizing now. And even my, even my ex-husband is realizing now of things that, uh, yeah, you really, you don't realize some of the things that happen in your childhood that really affect you when you get when you become an adult decision just everything it's really it's really amazing and I'm just now realizing more and more of that even now and it's it really it's kind of I don't know I guess it's just a big wow (laughs) you don't realize yeah a lot of women will ask Mm -hmm. well what is an emotionally unavailable mom Mm -hmm. because they look differently it could be a woman who's a single mom and she's working so hard she doesn't want to be out right but, but she has to be and then there's women who have addictions. So, of right. course, they're, they're, they're not even there for themselves. Right. You know, there might be someone who has a mental illness mm-hmm. or a physical illness, mm-hmm. you know, a depression that she's so inside of herself or so anxious that she just can't connect. Yeah. And, and you know, that she didn't have a mother who right. modeled it. So, so there's a variety of ways, but it leaves the child trying to figure out life on their own. In psychology, we talk about parents help contain our emotions or to help them be the container of the emotions. Mm. But if a parent can't, then the child has to figure it out and sit there and sort it. And so that's the struggle Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, you, like I did, right. Mm -hmm. Try to figure out, okay, how am I going to do the best I can to protect my siblings and grow up? And for me, it was academics. It's like you, you find your way to either Mm self-protect or, feel valued mm-hmm. you know and so it just looks different for different women for every yeah because every every situation and every you're right relationship is is different as far as with moms you're I mean you're correct and with you being so young it was almost like you took on a mother role I did for yeah. your siblings right so then that's another thing is that you become like a little parent mm-hmm. you know and because my parents were immigrants and then there was that um the the translation mm. and there was, um, writing forms, filling out forms for her. She would call me her little secretary. And that's was another little role that I had was being her secretary. Wow. Wow. You did a lot. I, were you the, you were the oldest, right? No, it was no. the second. You were the second. Took that role. Mm-hmm. So you took that role. What about your, the oldest, your oldest sibling? She always struggled too. With, okay. Um, just a lot of things. She mm-hmm. struggled with her own like eating disorders, things like that. She struggled to like, um, if my mom would say, go clean your room, mm-hmm. her closet or whatever. And mm-hmm. she would just sit there like overwhelmed. Like she didn't even know where to start. Wow. And for me, it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. You just pick this up and throw it in the hanger. Right. You put these clothes on the hanger. So that was another responsibility. Cause for me, it was, it was hard to deal with her too. Why? And then you said she had an eating disorder, which is probably comes from control. 
So that's something she can control. Yeah, she did. It and started she, very young. She's always had um, the apple diet or the, this diet. And um, the doctor took her in the, uh, the wing of the hospital and showed her kids who had eating disorders and that scared her enough. Really? Yeah. Oh. But, but the truth is it's always been a theme. Okay. She did it in middle school and high school. You just but it, but it comes, yes, but mm-hmm. it comes from, she can't control her life, mm-hmm. you know, but that's one thing she can like, right. it's a, it's almost like a control, but slash certainty kind of mm-hmm. right. Cause there's no, I mean, if your life was like that, there's that uncertain and you want certainty and we need, we need all that. I know. I mean, we need certainty and uncertainty, but whenever right. you are dealing with that, yeah, I can, mm-hmm. I can see how that can happen. Wow. So there's so many, um, there's so many connections of, um, I guess your, your problems that you would have with being raised that way and same vice versa, even with the dad. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, same yeah. it's the same thing. I know, um, I don't know, you know, I even look back, it, it is tough. Cause I mean, I've tried to be a great mom and of course I probably haven't been perfect, but I do, I'll have to say like, there's things that I've thought like. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope my kids, you know, don't have to like deal with some of the things. If I, if I've caused, um, what is it? Emotional. So, you know, just things that I don't know. I think I've done good. I think, you know, and, and my ex and I were co-parenting and, and especially right now, cause one's in high school, ninth grade, the other one's in sixth grade. And I know these are crucial times. My daughter's in ninth grade, my son's in sixth. Um, and it's tough to kind of, I don't know, even now, I, even I look at things, my own son is, is going through some stuff. So he's going through, through, you know, anxiety and, and things that I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, where did this come from? It, it, I think sometimes I'm like, did I do something, you know, like you kind of put that whole, it's like, okay, what did I do to cause this? Or, or is it just, um, a natural, you know, this is sometimes that happens naturally in kids. I don't know. Obviously the pandemic was horrific for him. He did not take it very well. So I'm dealing, I'm dealing with that. And there's also a few things that are even coming up of just things that happen. He deals with, you know, just low self-esteem, all of that stuff. So I don't know, I guess as a parent, I look at my kids and I'm seeing signs and it's just like, okay, did I call those are things that I think of. Like, did I cause yeah, that? Because so it's so common. hard. <laughs> it is so hard, right? And, and I, I remember thinking this when I was young. I remember thinking, when I have a boyfriend, I know him as a boyfriend. Mm. When I marry him, he, he becomes a, a husband. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be a husband. So you get to re-know him. Right? Mm. And then as a grandfather. Well, it's the same as mothering, right? We have one child. He's right. a certain way. Then you have another child. And it's a different way. Right? And every day is different and new. So how is it possible that we would ever know how to do anything, right? I mean, I have 10 children, but I've never been a mother-in-law. I've Mm -hmm. never been a grandmother yet. Yeah. So to to think that we need to know Mm -hmm. is really ludicrous because we don't know. That's true. So the main thing is just being there. Yeah. Right? Because I had a daughter, like I said, at 15, she started showing signs of... um, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. of that bipolar, which is what I think my mom was undiagnosed. Mm. And then my seventh child is um, on the autism spectrum okay. and has um, suffered severe depression and a suicide attempt. Oh, So geez. there's all these factors that happen in life, right. you know, and 
all we can really do is just be there as best as we can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. I mean, because there isn't a there's no book. No, there's, there's no, no book. book. I mean, there's tons of parenting books and there's tons of style, but it's it's almost like we're so different. Everybody is different and has their own unique way. Everybody, we're not the same. None of us are the same, which is the beauty of, you know, that's the beauty of life and how we're created. Um, but there isn't a handbook. There's no handbook. But I do think sometimes in today's world, um, I think we put so much perfection on ourselves Mm -hmm. um and to be perfect especially even I even saw it um just an element you know raising my kids I mean there's so much of like mom's got to do this and you got to do that and you got to be around everything and and you can lose yourself which is in some ways what I did of just losing yourself into to mother you know just being a mom full-time mom that you really you do you forget about who you are um so that's even a factor too of just oh, some some things that I've just, um, you know, uh, I guess we not relearned, but I've I found. I mean, even though I knew who I was, but just finding myself again, just through this whole journey and process of what's happened in my life. But I don't know. Um, how did you do that? Raising ten kids and yeah. you just never. Well, perfectionism I mean, was a problem for me. Okay. Because, because you learn to be a people pleaser. Yeah. You know, and look a certain way and want to right. be perceived a certain way. Mm-hmm. And and that mask of, I just want people to believe the presentation. Yeah. I want them to get to know me because I've self-protected my whole life. Wow. And I remember getting them ready for church and doing their hair and catching myself being just like my mom, that it's all about the look. I want my kids to look a certain way so that I'm perceived as a good mom Mm. and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this to my kids. I want to learn to be real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that just with the perception because how I was raised with in church, Mm -hmm. not that that's a bad thing, but we were, um, my parents were music pastors. So, which is pretty much like pastors of a church. And I think pastors, kids, Mm-hmm. you are being watched all Constantly. the time, yeah. all the time. And honestly, in those kind of roles, you're, you live in a glass house. That's really what it is. But so I can relate. No, it's the look we have. Everything has to look perfect. And no, we're up on the platform scene. So everything has to be perfect. You've got to be good. You've got to be, which obviously I was somewhat, I was a little rebellious, just going to say. But, I mean, the, but that's because it's the pressure of just, like, got to be so good, you know. And I always kind of wanted to be um, a little rebellious. But at the same time, my personality was I, I didn't want to be put in a box. So, so being raised kind of how I was and, and in that um, very strict, we were extremely strict. You are put in a box. And I don't like that. And I still don't like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, uh-huh. so... I can relate, but going back to the whole perfection stuff, I can relate to that. And I think, um, yeah, my sister can relate to that. And those are some of her issues right, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, I just, just I felt perfection. very disconnected emotionally. Yeah, yeah I remember um, my twins played with a little girl and and the little girl was sick all the time. And they couldn't figure out why she kept getting sick. And it turned out that she had leukemia. Oh. And I remember thinking intellectually, that's so sad. I couldn't feel it. Right. And I remember that scared me. I I remember thinking, oh my gosh, either something died inside of me or it's dormant. Mm. 
And I came to the realization that, you know, I work so hard to self-protect mm-hmm. and it works. It works yeah. to keep you from not feeling. Yeah. But I had to make a choice. And I remember sitting there and wrestling with it. Right. That if I let it go, I'm going to learn to feel. Right. I'm going to learn to be vulnerable. I'm going to learn to cry. Yeah. And I've been hiding from that my whole life. Just wow. try to be, have a tough exterior. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, then I won't be real. Mm-hmm. And I won't know how to really connect with my kids. And I won't know how to cry or really laugh. Mm. And I remember wrestling with that and deciding I'm going to choose to learn to live and risk putting that down. Love that. And that's kind of where it started. That's another like teary but that's true. Um, mm. You chose, but you chose. I chose. And everyone has a choice. Absolutely. I wish more and more people, and it's hard though. It's hard to, to go the other way that you, that you want, that you're pushing from, but that's a beautiful thing because then it's like, it's so hard to live life when you're hard. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't, you can't, can't. live, you can't no. live life with, and I even said that with an open heart, like I'm living life at, just with an open heart, just whatever, you know, but you have to kind of do that. Can you get hurt? Can things come to Absolutely. But it's beautiful to be free yes. and authentic yes. and just live a pure, just a life then. And that's even something that I, then, then to harden your heart, um, because you're not, then you won't live. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess out. you do, mm-hmm. you miss out on, you right. miss out on a lot. And really, you know, back to connecting with people and, um, it's that power of just showing up and that mm-hmm. power of being there and you can't be there when you're in your head. Yeah. You can't be there when you're protecting yourself all the time. It just yeah. doesn't work. So true. Love that. So true. Um, so what would you say to, I don't know, what would you say to the, to any of the moms out there that are listening, um, you know, just advice or encouragement or, I mean, obviously they need to come and talk to you, <laughs> <laughs> but what would you say to them if they, um, if some don't realize that they're going through some stuff or if they do know they're going through it and they, and they just, some, some women know their problems, but it's just getting over that. Right. It's kind of climbing up that mountain right. and it's digging scary. in that. It's scary. it's scary and it's dirty. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not fun. Yeah. So what would you say just to encourage them to, I don't know, as far as help and move on? Well, I say to women <clears throat> that every woman stands on the bridge between past Mm. and the future every one of us Mm -hmm. and only we can make the decision to change our cycles in the present you're on that bridge you are the bridge between an amazing future Mm -hmm. or passing on those generational you know cycles of trauma and only you can do it and I tell women that they are the most important and influential and impactful woman in their child's life she is it. Wow. She is amazing. So ladies, let's take our place and be warriors and fight for ourselves because our hearts, you know, if this resonates with you, there's brokenness mm-hmm. and only you can do the work for yourself. Yeah. But you're not only fighting for yourself, you're fighting for your children, you're fighting for your future generations. Yeah. So we must be brave, but we must be brave together because you've been alone for so long, like I was alone for so long. And that's why, you know, being a therapist... I knew I could only help one woman at a time Mm -hmm. and that they go home and a lot of them 
I'm their main woman connection. Yeah. And so that's why I created a mom connection so that we could have a community of women who can help each other through this. Women who know what it's like. We have different stories. Yeah. We have a lot of the same symptoms mm-hmm. and a lot of the same dreams and goals to be free. I love that. That's that's really beautiful. And I love what you're doing. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, for all my listeners out there, I hope you guys have just um, really taken all this in, taken her, taken Amelia's story in, and and you guys are encouraged just exactly what she just said. You have a choice. And um, all of us women can really stick together with all of our traumas. We can talk about it and share and just love on each other to move forward and push through, you know, push through to um, definitely break those cycles. Um, so I really, really encourage you all to just keep pushing forward. Um, you can go to momsconnections.com and I'm going to have all of Amelia's links if you want to reach out to her um, and be a part of her program. It really, really is amazing. Breaking the Cycle program, I think, is beautiful, really great for all the moms out there. And you don't even have to be a mom. Um, even if you're even if you're single, you're married, and you're seeing that you've got, like, mom um, traumas from your childhood, um, yeah, reach out. Reach out to me. Um, let me know if I can help you guys and direct you guys um, of places to go for encouragement. And that is a wrap. You beautiful people, you guys have a great day and we will talk and see you later. All right, bye. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on Life Gone Real. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. Definitely rate it, leave comments. I'd love to get into your lives a little. Send me some topics you'd like to talk about or if there's anything you're possibly going through in your life. I'm so glad you're here with me on this journey. Cheers to you and have a great day.